Welcome to Chasing the Upside, conversations about living the FPL life. FPL royalty, Pras, welcome to Chasing the Upside. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I'd like to begin where I begin all these conversations and go and go back to your origin story uh, of FPL. So where did it begin for you? So I, um, I've been in London now 13 years. So 2010 is basically when I came to the UK. Uh, and uh, I, I was staying with my cousins, with my cousin and uh, her husband is is a huge Arsenal fan. And we were staying together and we had we had banter because Arsenal Man United during those times was the thing, right? So there was a lot of football banter between us. And then, you know, I I, I came into the country maybe July and he was making this FPL team. And I was like, you know, what what I was curious. So he basically, I learned the ropes uh, through Nelson. So shout out to him. And uh, he basically just made me create my team. And that was the first time I sort of got involved but it was a side product of football at at the time. You know, it was just a thing that you have as a side so that you can have a few players that you can not root for, but have in your team and you can flex. And that was it. So Nelson, um, does he still play now? He does. Yeah. yeah. He, okay. he made me join this mini league and he's been upset because I've won that mini league ever since I joined it. Um, but no, he's, he's, look, he's a... Uh, He's, I wouldn't say a casual because he does consume content. He listens to some of my stuff that I do and we discuss football all the time. But he's one of those which, you know, he doesn't stress about the leaks or fixture postponements. He's just a guy who watches football every weekend, does his transfers every week. So I would say, you know, he he has good finishes, but he's not like a super, you know, psychotic engaged manager like some of us are on Twitter. <laughs> I should use the word psychotic, but... Well, it's it's probably it's probably quite correct actually. Um, and and Nelson seems to have it right because I think that if you can consume the content and just enjoy football and FPL together, and it's not um, because so if you are really really engaged, it is a bit separate sometimes, isn't it? Um, so maybe Nelson has it right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest with me, as as a Man United fan, um, I would have. I don't know if I would have been so deeply into FPL if Man United was doing as well as they were doing before 2010, right? Because for before then, it was all about them. I mean, over the weekend, I'd just watch a United game and one other interesting game that I'd, that I'd want to. My mood swings would depend on how the team is doing, how much far behind, we're, you know, behind uh, we are to Chelsea or before that to Arsenal. And then when the team started to disappoint, you wanted, you know, something else, something else to keep you going on watching football over the weekend. So I really think that was a contributing factor where Sir Alex Ferguson leaving in 2011 and my interest, basically my ranks completely changed from the season after where maybe it's a fan bias that I didn't then think about Man United players as much. I think I still do to an extent, but it was just for my enjoyment, I was more and more hooked on to the game. And and do you see um, now you are, well, I've got a question a bit later, possibly about how you mentally handle the game. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. But you mentioned that um, your mood was very much um, dictated by how man you do, well, man you did. Um, and now obviously you're very, very engaged with FPL. Does that affect your mood in the same way or? It's worse. Um, it's way worse. Uh, oh, interesting. I mean, 
because you know um with manchester united so i'm i'm speaking on a relative basis because now manchester united doesn't affect my mood i i go in expecting nothing right i mean this, <laughs> these are not great That's times right. for a man united fan so much for evergreen content right maybe the team is great when people are listening to this in yeah. six months or a year uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah at this stage when we're when, when we're recording this it's not going great ten hag is still our manager it's been over 10 years of changes and you know the next big player doesn't work out high wages we can't sell and so on and so forth but to answer your question if i compare my mood swings with man united before it was really just the mood on the weekend because of the a particular game and because the team did better most of the weekends were good i think now with fpl what happens is you create this bubble of here are my 11 players within these 11 players i know that seven are highly owned so if a a harlan scores and he's 200% effective ownership that's not giving me a high right it's it's just okay yeah harlan scored good decision i captain it but then there are more occasions to have a low because now you're you've got four of your players and there's about 10 other players on twitter that are well owned that you don't have you know it could be a maybe you don't have a sala that week or you don't have a kane i'm talking yesterday mm-hmm. or last year even um so there are more opportunities for you to be upset about what's going on than not and so i think there's more mood swings that you can have through fpl now we can talk about my own journey on on how i've handled it through the years but i do think that there is more scope to be upset by what's happening because these things are you put a lot of effort into this game and so a lot of people expect the same kind of output where you if i put 10 hours of effort i should be doing better than the guy who puts half an hour effort but unfortunately it doesn't work like that well yeah let's let's talk about how how you deal with it then because that it interests me the fact that you say your mood is um is very up and down in terms of fpl because on well one of my questions a bit later was about how seemingly this is this is how social media works i suppose isn't it but it's a, it's about perception because your tweets obviously a lot of them are humorous and and um and it seems from an outsider looking in you seem to have a very good balance in terms of seeing the you know heartbreaking stuff as yeah. as just quite funny but um so yeah let's talk a bit about um obviously you did mention how your moods do fluctuate so let's talk a bit about that how how do you deal with it So there is an evolution and I think people who will play the game longer will go through a similar one so there's nothing unique to me but when you start off in the game you don't you don't engage much you don't put much time it's all about your mini league uh, you know your couple of people who are your friends they've got uh, you know an Anthony Gordon or Watkins and you don't have and it's all about that and so doesn't really affect you it's a bit like oh man uh, I mean this guy's scored and he has him but it's not you against the world right when you start engaging in overall rank so then now you come into this whole twitter bubble and uh, in my case it was fantasy football scout you know the whole community there so by 14 15 so let's say i was 3 years into the game very engaged you know and when i say engaged spending 3 4 hours a week looking at fixtures looking at differentials look you know consuming content then you start really putting effort and so when you start doing that you spend hours thinking about should i do this guy or this guy 50 50 i'm going to look at some data data doesn't tell you much i'm going to look at fixtures the fixtures don't tell you much essentially it's a 50 50 decision but you will because you're engaged you're going to fixate on it you're going to find 
random points that this guy's wife is pregnant, there's a chance that he may be unavailable for the game. So I'm going to pick the other guy. And when that decision doesn't work out, there is this disappointment that you, everyone who plays FPL understands that it, you just sort of feel really bad about it. Even though, as you go longer into the game, you then begin to appreciate there's absolutely nothing I could have done. It was a 50-50 decision. When you call heads, when you flip a coin and it's a tails, do you really say, I should have done better? I should have thought about the fact that, you know, it was a tails. How could I think it was heads? You don't do that, right? So the longer you play, the more you appreciate that ultimately FPL is a game of probabilities. So this is how now I think about it. If I'm choosing a player today, and if I'm choosing an Imbumo as an example versus somebody else who has a Gordon, I know that this guy has certain amount of underlying data. He has a fixture, which I think is better than Gordon's. I think he's on penalties and Gordon isn't on penalties. So all of this tells me that in my coin, the chance of me being right, so let's say I want heads, the chance of my, my, me being right in heads is 70%. Somebody else who's picked Gordon, he's thought about Newcastle. He's thought about he's very attacking. He plays up front in the last 20 minutes. His odds of being right when flipping the corner is about 55%. So we're both engaged managers. We put good picks. Bayern is 70. His is 55. For me, it turns out tails. He gets ahead. So Gordon wins. It doesn't affect me at all because I knew that I'd used all my decision-making and, and made the decision using that. So ultimately, yes, of course, everyone feels bad if your team doesn't score points, but I don't let it affect me at all now. It's a... Uh, you know, the people use this term, good decision, bad, bad outcome. It's a well-used term, but not a lot of people use it. I think by the time I, I lock in my team, I switch from, and if, you, if people who follow me on Twitter will notice this, during the week, I'll be massively serious in my podcasts. I'll be serious about my moves. I'll be talking about 10 game weeks later, we'll be doing this, or why this guy's better than this, because you can look at, you know, this type of underlying data. Once you hit your team, I see the funny side of things. So that's why my Twitter account from the time you lock your teams in till the time the game week is finished is just, you know, I'm just trying to see the funny side of things. Mm. How, this may be a difficult question to answer, but can you sort of put a, a timeline on it where that switched for you? Was it, you know, two two seasons in, five seasons in, or has it just been a gradual thing for you? I think uh, two, three years into the whole thing, I got deeply affected and I, and I was not handling it as well as I should. And it got worse when websites like Live FPL came in. And now I want to shout out Ragabully. I think it's the best tool you can have if you use correctly. But my moods were being affected even more because I was constantly checking my rank. I was constantly checking effective ownership. So effective ownership, what it does is it kills the joy out of your better players. So it's the first time you realize, you know, I haven't captained Haaland. So if he does well, even though I own him, it's actually bad for me. So now you're actually rooting against a player you own. Then you keep looking at your rank and you say, if I don't own Salah, if he scores in this game, my rank is going to go from here to here. So there was a time when I... It, it became even worse where I was checking live FPL all the time. 
And then after a point, I just said, look, I need to stop with this. I need to stop with this engagement of, of this obsession with rank, this obsession with looking at live ranks of to an extent effective ownership. I'd still like to know what are the ownerships of certain players. And so it's not really linked to number of years. It's linked to a couple of years after live FPL was introduced. I think this was 2017 or something. So 2017 to 2019. So I'm saying seven years after playing the game, I, I began to have a healthy relationship with it where I don't open live FPL now. After the first game has kicked off, where I have seen the effective ownership of players, I've seen you know who are my big differentials versus who are my the guys I will will kill my rank. Apart from that, I do not check my rank uh, unless I'm having a superb game week, in which case I can give myself a little bit of a treat. A couple of minutes ago, you were mentioning, um, you know, looking ten weeks ahead. You know, the the, the famous uh, the famous helicopter view <laughs> that people often talk to you about, and yeah. and, and your incredible planning um where did that where did that come from is is that something that you do in your in your day job uh is it a skill set that you've always had um and it's just perfectly aligned to an fbl skill set um yeah can you talk to me about your your famous yeah. planning yeah so i mean without going into the ins and outs of my job but basically i i work in finance and in finance specifically we value companies and the way you the way you value companies is basically you you, you do a forward looking projection into their pnl cash flows and basically certain metrics so you need to have a view of what i think this will be what key ratios or profitability it will have not going to get technical but basically you need to have a very long term view on things and so i would like to think that I started doing a lot of this because I was on Excel all the time. And this is my early years starting in finance. So I spent a lot of time building models and stuff. So early years, I just have an, uh, my, my M&A model open. And in the last tab, I would always have a tab of my FPL players, <laughs> who their fixtures are, because we didn't have things like review. We used to have just a simple fixture ticker. That's it. There was no projected expected points. There was nothing like that. So not only did you have to plan, you know, you had to basically say, okay, I've got three defenders. Off them, two of them have a bad fixture three weeks later. So I, I should start to think about, you know, removing one of them. And so I was just doing this in an Excel all the time. Then it developed into something where I started doing a little bit more planning in terms of chips. So, I mean, can't take credit away from Ben Krellin or, you know, Planet FPL or Tal and Nadim. Those guys are the ultimate experts of it. But what I used to do is given their probabilities, if they're saying, okay, there's going to be a blank in this week, or there's going to be a double in this week, I would take that and I would use it to basically plan my transfers where, okay, if there's a blank in 11 weeks and if I'm making a decision today, I should basically think about this defender if he plays in the blank or not. So again, all in my Excel tab, always open. And that's how it started. Why the community knows me for it is because when I started talking about FPL, uh, I obviously did burning questions with Andy Sonaldo. And I told him, look, this is how I play FPL. So we will have to use a lot of forward planning and we'll have to think about, we'll have to talk about a lot of the stuff. Initially, we were a bit skeptical because we were, you know, people, a lot of times I do get comments like this on the video. like, Why are you talking about eight game weeks from now? Who cares? Things will change. They're partially right. You know, there are injuries that come up and, and plans change. 
but I find it as the best tool for me to think about things because you cannot plan for change. You can plan for your base case assumption. Again, comes from my valuation and my M&A background where, of course, things change, but you still have to have a plan. Over the years that you, you've sort of been forecasting a few weeks ahead, have you kind of landed on a sweet spot of of potentially how many weeks that is for you? Obviously, everybody's different. But, you know, there's going to be some people that, you know, like two or three weeks. There's some people that just rock up on a Saturday morning um, yep. and miss the deadline because it's on the Friday. Um, but have you have you sort of um, in your spreadsheet or, or whatever you work, you know, work on now? Is there a sweet spot for you um, or does it totally vary on the sort of the layout of the season? Correct. It's actually the layout of the season. So there are certain checkpoints that I like to think about in the season where things change drastically. So if I think about game week one this season, uh, which is uh, 23-24, it was game week eight, which was basically the time when there's a massive fixtures turn. There was another one on game week 10. So this is why these were the two popular wildcard winters. Um, So when I'm planning my Excel or in this now using planners, I'm going only up to eight game weeks. If I'm thinking about things, let's say in game week 12, 13, I would be planning until the blank game week, which you know could be game week 18. Or now I'm, as, as we're getting closer to the blank, it could be the, the time when the players leave for Africa, uh, Africa Cup of Nations or the Asia Cup. So there's always these little checkpoints until which I want to plan because I want to think about what happens in that situation. Because there's no way I can plan beyond that because I don't know if people will sell a sala and a son. Where do they go with that? I don't know that yet. So it really varies depending on season. And as doubles and, and blanks come in, it even affects that as you need to sort of take that blank into account and then plan beyond that or not. I mean, I'm intrigued if you've ever... Um, have you ever shied away from that? the the forecasting and and the the planning you know if you if for instance because i presume it takes a reasonable amount of um time um and you know a few minutes ago you were talking about how sometimes when you can put so much time into it and you don't feel like you get the rewards because of variance or because of luck so with this you know planning has obviously worked well for you but have you you ever been in a situation where where you've actually you know, change philosophy slightly because maybe maybe because of variance or maybe because it is taking too much time or is it or have you always been quite set on it? So I think that's a great question. And the good thing is now we have tools available that reduce the time drastically that's okay. needed to plan, right? So I don't have an Excel tab anymore because I can use tools like FPL Review where I put my team in and I can actually see where the next fixture swing is for my team. I can use plan, FPL, I can use team, FPL.team. So those are basically, you, you can do what I was doing in an Excel five years ago, 10 years ago. You can do it with your team and actually visualize where are the, the, the areas that need work. I will not really stop doing that, Ben, because coming back to our coin toss example, I feel there's very few things you can control as managers. You can't control if your player misses a penalty or not, or if he gets injured or not. But you can control when you buy certain players and when you sell certain players. How? Because the one thing people will not debate is easier fixtures means higher expected points. Does it happen or not? We go back to heads or tails. I mean, it. I. I can't tell you if it's if it's seventy percent heads will work out or not. But I do know that if I pick a player that's a great player, let's say Sun 
over three great fixtures, I'll be unlucky if it doesn't go well. And so the one scarce resource that we have in FPL is number of transfers. So optimizing your number of transfers to maximize the fixtures that your players have, the easiness of the fixtures that your players have, that's that's an edge. That's the edge that I have in, in FPL. And other people also have it now with all these tools available. But I feel this is where I hopefully will do well and I have done well in the past. So I don't think that part of FPL will ever go away because I enjoy that the most. Mm. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? If you've got a method that you enjoy um, and and it's bringing you success, you know, I suppose, why, why would you change it? Yeah, absolutely. So looking back on the, the 13 years um, of, of FPL glory, um, the what's your your best rank that you've ever had um, in a season can you when you reflect on that um firstly let me know what what the best rank was um and um and have you reflected on why it was that good 20 2021 um okay. basically the the sala triple i don't know i don't know how long you've played or if you remember that there was a game week 26 with sala Having Leeds at home and some other team at home, very easy. Two is very easy. Norwich at home. Leeds at home and Norwich at home. <clears throat> so that was the season I had my highest rank uh, of four k, around four k. Okay. Um, and number one answer is I got lucky, right? Yeah. I think I don't think anyone should say anything else because if you make good decisions, you're still hoping your seventy percent coin toss lands in the seventy percent, not the thirty percent. But apart from getting lucky, I think I loved that season because I went different to the popular chip strategy and it worked out. Again, partly because of luck, but partly because of a little bit of planning. And that was a season where there was a lot of blanks and doubles and blanks. Basically, that was peak COVID season. So for a planner like me, that was perfect because I could you know, have a team that you can have maximum number of doublers in this week, then you free hit and get the blankers and then you get more doublers. So when a lot of people were looking at triple captain link Salah for this game week. A lot of people will know me through Twitter as well, because that's when people sort of, it became more popular that, okay, there's certain people who are not actually triple captaining Salah for this best double on paper that has ever been. And I ended up wildcarding and it just worked out. It worked out. Obviously I go back to, it was luck, but also the fact that, you know, the doublers kept hitting uh, the you know when I free hit it it worked out and so that chip strategy worked really well and that led me to a very very good season it was very satisfying because I felt like it was part planning and a lot of luck yeah I, I mean it's it's very noble of you to say that but but because I think that anybody who has played the game knows it knows there's an element of luck. of course there is yeah um but um, yeah, it sounds as though that season, that season in particular, was crazy in terms of um, postponements, doubles, and everything was so. Yeah, that was you're literally heaven, like planning heaven on on that on that Absolutely. season. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What what brings you back year year after year after year? Um, the the joy of making decisions and and enjoying football. I mean, ultimately, we forget why we played. I mean, a lot of us play to enjoy the football. We play to watch the Arsenal-Luton game on a particular day, when, even though I don't support Arsenal because I have a triple up from Arsenal. So it's, a, it's an exciting game. 
you're watching games till 90 minutes because your defenders still have a clean sheet and it's not locked yet it's the joy of football and i think ultimately that's why we do it now are we watching out of fear or joy i don't know especially when it relates to fpl but it's just it's just a hobby it's a passion of mine to watch the game and uh, it just enhances it so i don't see myself stopping do i see myself reducing my engagement either in content or in you know posting uh, views on twitter yeah that could happen uh, you know situationally if if work is busy or i have other priorities uh, you know it can swing but i don't think playing fpl or watching football will ever sort of change yeah um, and and you've got a a, a a young son as well haven't you yeah um, i do he's uh, he's eight and a half eight and a half um and he uh he supports manchester united as well which is um which is a shame but um, yeah. <laughs> um but uh and you may have you may have um you may have answered this on another podcast, but has he, have you got him into FPL? Does he have his own team or is he? He does. He does. Yeah. So, I mean, so backstory, he basically, he had nothing to do with football a year ago, right? Even a year ago, there were instances, maybe it wasn't a year ago, maybe a little uh, earlier, but there were instances where he would shout, is that a goal or is that a six or, you know, he wasn't sure between cricket and football, what's what, or is it out or is it a goal? But <laughs> um so he, so from there basically he watched the world cup last year and i think a lot of us started watching at least i did as well 94 again showing my age but when yes, there's a world cup your and your joy for the sport basically ignites because you watch something at the world stage and it's so he did that i mean he watched the whole world cup um obviously followed messi for popularity reasons uh, loved the fact that they won and then just after that he became a fan he became a fan of football first and so he wanted to watch games with me we went to a couple of england games at at wembley and so he gradually became a fan and then over the summer he decided okay i'm going to support uh, or actually little bit maybe easter uh, when i think man united won the carabao cup is when it was the first time he said okay i will commit to man united if you support them then i will also support them um obviously he doesn't know what he signed up for because it's been all disappointment after that and uh, yeah it's just one of those things where i've told him that look you don't you don't need to support man united because i support them i had my reasons i you know i've been supporting them for 30 years you don't need to do that uh, we are fairly close to actually the arsenal stadium like 15 minutes away so i told him look if you want to, you don't you don't have to be bullied by me and choose my team especially because they're doing terribly and as a father it's already painful to watch my team and lose and watch my team losing it's worse to see your son actually feeling upset about it as well so we'll see which team he ends up supporting uh, maybe i obviously i hope it's man united but then i also hope man united turn a corner very soon yes well maybe it'll be both maybe um he will continue because united turn the corner exactly um i'd like to uh, get your thoughts on something that um uh, that confuses me um okay. and and i think you're a very good person to ask what does playing fpl optimally mean to you because i don't understand it okay playing <laughs> if i give you a certain budget which fpl does which is 100 million um you have a you have a limited amount of resources to get the best output that is possible right so let's assume that whatever a model predicts as expected points 
So every player has expected points every week, right? So, um, and this is better to think about as a free hit week. So let's think about free hit game week 35, okay? Randomly. And so in this free hit, you can pick any player you want. You have 100 million to spend. So there are, you go through a model and you say, okay, the highest expected points are for Salah. The second is Haaland. The third is this. And in the constraints of formation, so you have to have three defenders, five midfielders, or four, and and two or three attackers. For your budget, this is how you can maximize the points if you have these players, if you're with me. Yeah. So, so that team that gives you the highest points is the optimal team, right? If you Because if you change anything, if you say, okay, I'm not going to captain Salah, even though the, you know, the thinking in the model is that this is the highest expected points. I'm going to captain Trent Alexander-Arnold because I feel it. You know, I think he's really he's really informed. It's not optimal. Does it work out for you or not? Sure, of course it can work out. But Salah's expected odds of scoring a goal are 80%. Trent's odds of keeping a clean sheet is 40%. Trent could get an assist. Let's add another 10% to it. So what where, where I'm going with this is if you look at the market odds or if you look at underlying data, if from an expected points point of view, if you're not captaining the highest player, then it's suboptimal. That's basically what people are trying to say. Is it boring to play that way and everybody being optimal? Of course it's boring. But I'm just trying to give you the answer of what is optimal and why people talk about optimal, suboptimal. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it does make absolute sense. But then I suppose the, the counter to that is that there's, like you just, like you sort of just mentioned, there's, there's so much... Yes, you've got models and you've got statistical breakdowns of things, but there is nuances as well, isn't there? Hundred percent. So you could actually, and why it confuses me is because, yes, it could be optimal in terms of what the model says, but then there's all this other information that you're not taking into account. Um, so I suppose, uh, yeah, it always struck me as pretty much impossible to play. Yeah, optimal. you're you're right. Look. To answer the first thing, look, the model does try to take everything into account, but it can't. Mm. It is a model. And people like me who've worked with financial models are comfortable knowing that, right? When I project out, we are paying billions of dollars to acquire companies based on a model. Ultimately, over there, nobody in the meeting sits and says, I actually like these guys. I like the management. I like the dress that they wear, the, the, the CEO is wearing. So I'm going to pay them a little bit more than what my model says. You don't do that. So I'm accustomed in my world to say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in an Excel everything, all the ingredients that are needed to determine what is the outcome. And I'm going to pay that. Whether that's correct or not, you're absolutely right. Because what you have is sensitivities, right? Salah could score eight points. But in reality, what they do is, the model runs the simulation about a thousand times. And in the thousand times, in some cases, Salah got injured in the first minute. In some cases, Salah scored a hat-trick. In another case, he got a blank. In another, he got a brace. They run the simulation a thousand times. And then they say, on average, over the thousand simulations, he scored 5.6 points. And so that's your expected value, the EV that people talk about, of what Salah can do in this particular week. Is it correct? 100%? Absolutely not. Because... Salah could have had a curry the night before and not feel so well, and that's not simulated in the model. He could be having personal issues, which we cannot mm. see, uh, that is not captured in the model. But then the counter to that is, 
the person who's not using the model, how do you know what the optimal is? Because you're also saying, hey, you know what? I was at the training ground and I saw Sun. He was sharp. Come on. You know, that's also suboptimal because you don't know what else is happening. Was he just laughing because somebody told him a joke? Was he just running fast because some, the manager asked him to run fast? So there's no right answer. There's no Bible. Some people say, I'm going to use this as the best estimate. Some people say this is rubbish and I'm going to use my judgment, my gut call. All of that is fine. Whatever gives you joy in the game. Mm. And and, well, and and that's how we started with Nelson, didn't we? Joy. Joy in the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is, exactly. is and, and whatever brings you that. Yeah, can you imagine in these big board meetings where you've got these incredible models, um, you know, in front of you and then the CEO says, well, I, I'm just going with, I'm just going with a vibe choice here. <laughs> just yeah, to go exactly. away from that. I'm just going exactly. with the feels, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is, of course, what you see on the in on the X community. Um, all right, Pras. Well, I've had a a, a really really engaging um, and nice chat. So thank you so much for spending the time with Back me. Course. We're we're nearly coming to the to the end. Um, so I'm going to wrap up with the final the final two questions, if I may. Um, the first one being um, your your champagne moment, your favorite ever. FPL moment of all time. So you asked me this question and I, I'll have to go back to the Salah triple captain week. Um, it was the week where Salah scored 26 points. I Everybody triple captained him. I didn't triple captain him. And still I got a massive green arrow that week because um, I wildcarded in a lot of great players. So, you know, maybe some people give you an answer of Aguero's hat-trick in this game gave me the most joy. I'm a planner. So if my plan works out and the plan doesn't involve one player, that has to be my favorite moment. When I think about when it really worked out where I was able to get an edge, that was it. So I would have to go for that week, game week 26, uh, 2021 season. That's amazing. I, I, and that's so you as well. The <laughs> fact that it, that, that, that your favorite FP, your favorite ever FPL moment is when all the, all the stars aligned and Absolutely. your plans just uh, ticked all the boxes. That's incredible. Just quickly before we go on to the last question, something's just come into me um, just because you mentioned there that you didn't triple captain, but the your team was was still incredible despite that. Yeah, and that to me is is what happened. I mean, I go through. I think everybody everybody who engages um, on X goes through this um, of of fear of missing out essentially. Yeah. Um, and and you just see tweet after tweet after tweet or article saying you know do this. And and I think a really good reminder um, is is something like that is that you can I mean you can if if the rest of your team is great you can go without Harlan for the whole season and still do fine correct but it's so difficult to get to get past that mental block do you do you suffer from that um, and and if you don't um, you know why is that have you got strategies around that everyone suffers from formal if you're in a community. And this isn't just got to do with FPL. It could be with work, right? Everyone wants to go have a beer uh, on a Thursday night and you don't feel like it, but you go anyway. Um, so it's not an FPL thing. It's just you want to be part of the crowd. There's also a little bit of a group thing where if you think so many people are doing something, it must be right. So you're questioning yourself. So it's natural. I don't think there's an answer to fight it. I think the only counter to this is what you need to do is have your own process. How do you evaluate something? How do you say that this particular bandwagon is right for me or not. So there's a couple of things. One, you need to look at your own team and say, what is my weakest link? 
So if everybody's buying Dubravka in a particular week and you have other problems in your team, which is, you know, you have an injured player like an Eze, well, don't buy a Dubravka. If your process always says, look at the weakest link in my team, make good decisions based on that. Or if your process says, if I believe in a certain team, so this is my second point. If I believe in underlying data, if I believe in eye test, if I believe in vibes, whatever your your thing is. And if this particular bandwagon passes that, think about who you're selling and who you're buying. So if who you're selling is a weakness and who you're buying is a bandwagon, don't fight it. It's okay. You know, it makes sense. The template often works out because the template is close to optimal but there are some really silly templates as well. I mean, there's weeks where people sell Watkins for Darwin Nunes and it doesn't work out. Now, does that mean it was a bad decision? No, because some people did it because their team was in such great shape that they were able to take a little bit of a gamble. In other people's cases, they saw this and said, oh my God, I have Watkins, but I have five other problems. But if everyone is getting Darwin, he's playing Fulham and Sheffield United, I must do it. Now you've basically dug yourself a bigger hole where you've made a prop mistake that, the rest of Twitter made, but they had no other problems. You still have your other five problems. So I think having an individual process, like I mentioned, of how you evaluate things, how you evaluate your team, and then you don't have to be different for the sake of it. If a bandwagon makes sense, do it. If it doesn't make for sense for your team, then don't do it. Quality. Look at that. Look at that. Just, just. Uh, I mean, yeah, that 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 would take me sort of years and years and years to work out that. But that's uh, that's great. Well, that's 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 a really nice way to to sum it up, actually. Um, and yeah, it's very topical um, when you mentioned Dubravka, just because the time of recording of this, there was a big bandwagon, <laughs> bad, can't even say it, a bandwagon for Dubravka, um, and a huge amount of um, minus fours for Darwin as well. And that's mm. worked out really well. So that's. Good. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things, right? I mean, again, uh, we don't need to talk about the specific decisions, but it was right for some teams. It yeah. was definitely not right for other teams. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it, it's it's that it's the hive mind where you're thinking, and I've and I've absolutely done this. I've I've made it's totally wrong, but I've made a decision because if I'm thinking to myself, if this goes wrong. And this player blanks, well, at least everybody will be in that position. Whereas if I make that decision and he bangs and he goes completely mad, I am going to feel awful. So you're kind of just, um, yeah, it, it's and it's not the right, of course, it's not the right way to play the game. This is, this is where the models help, by the way, because the model is an unbiased friend. <laughs> an unbiased friend that won't take emotion into account, that will tell you, you know what? Your team doesn't really need a Dubravka right now. Your team, next week, if you wanted to maximize your points, you're better off taking Eze out for Mbumo. Uh, you'll get more points than what you would get if you switch Ariola to Dubravka. You may choose to ignore the model, but if you use it as a friend who's giving you suggestions, not looking at your personality, not looking at Twitter bandwagons, simply as a, this is what it is. This is why I like it. I don't pray, I don't, you know... Uh, Pray to the models. I don't think they're end-all, be-all. They're not 100% correct. There's a lot of ways where you can beat the model as well, uh, where you can be faster to catch on to trends than the model does. But I always see it as an unbiased friend for me that tells me what I need to do with my team without any other biases. As a lovely mental image I have, um, Pras and his, um, his unbiased friend, the model that just sits next to him. 
<laughs> yes indeed. well there's another one which is uh, the market odds so yes, the yes the model obviously takes into account some market odds but if you look at basically a, some models are purely underlying data so there's another friend of yours which is purely market data uh, market data and you say okay spread i don't bet but you know looking at the odds because there is a market out there where people are making bets for real money on certain players doing well or not you use that to your advantage because they are not biased they are not looking at is watkins a better pick in fpl than darwin nunes in a particular week they're just looking at this week do i think darwin will score one goal two goals or three goals watkins will score one two or three again another unbiased friend if you want to look at market data absolutely awesome thank you um okay so yeah a slight detour but we're back on track now um and the detour was my fault so uh, right. thank you for uh, um answering that um yeah so the the last question your favorite ever piece of fpl advice you've ever been given ever been given um so at the beginning of the season or or at the beginning of my playing career uh, you were basically chase a lot of instant gratification um you know you chase a lot of this week i want to get this guy because he's the best captain so i think my advice to people is just every week make sure you make good decisions you make the right decision for your team do not go looking for everybody's buying palmer so i'm going to buy wang or you know it may work out but in more cases than not i found if you make the right decision and you don't force it and you just don't try to be different for the sake of it you will end up better over the long term only in the later season later part of the season like game week 37 38 you start thinking like okay this guy has you know everybody's going to captain haland i have to chase 50 points i'm going to start captaining sala it's very late i see people doing this in now game week 15 16 where they're saying oh i need to be different i'm still 2 million absolutely not my advice and this is what i received is just keep making good decisions every week you will get lucky your coin tosses will land where you want them to land three four game weeks in a row you won't have to chase it so you don't need to chase it do you have um do you have markers um that you've built up over the years of of you know the, sort of the the general area of ranks you want to be at certain parts of the season or are you like you said you're just going to make the right decisions um and then the and it will all even out yeah so where i am in my rank i try very hard not to affect what decisions i'm making mm. so to answer your question yes it should not matter you should still be making the same decision the ownership of a player should not matter ownership of a player only matters if you think they will score exactly the same points then you pick the one who's lower owned because you'll get higher gains but again if they both score the same points it won't matter Pras, thank you so much for joining me uh, this evening. It's been a great chat. Appreciate it. I really loved it. Thank you so much for having me on, Ben, and uh, good luck with with the channel. I really like this stuff. It's it's getting to know people, and it's actually lovely to hear from different FPL managers and how they think about the game.